anyone who can hear this broadcast. This is the Armitage account. Isaac Andrews, September 4th, 2022, 2,230 hours. <laughs> 2,230 hours? It's military time. I thought it would build ambiance for my podcast. Shh. Sorry. Lou? Yes? Are you sure you know where you are going? Well, since you gave me the very helpful instructions in the old stacks, in the restoration zone, and the door with the weird star above it. No, Isaac, I don't know where we're going. Well, you don't need to be such a jerk about it. Isaac! Are you trying to get me fired? Sorry. Thank you. It's fine. Sorry, it's just, you know... Breaking your brother's friend into a library you were supposed to be guarding isn't exactly good for your security career? Exactly. Though, I guess if we get caught, then I could just say I'm escorting you to the pigs? No, you wouldn't. Felix would kill you. Hold of you to think I wouldn't kick my baby brother's ass first. Wow. Is that it? That is one weird star. Is that an eye? At the center of it, is that an eye? Don't know, but this is it. Damn it. Oh, um, hold up. I have a key. Oh, wow. Ugh, it smells so musty. It's, it's like walking into an old photograph. Mm, There has to be mildew. Where did you get the tip on this place again? Uh, an email. From a fan. Thank you, whoever you are, by the way. And they gave you that key? Mailed it to me, but yes. Jesus, Isaac. There's people out there that hate you. What if there was some weirdo back here with a machete? Then you would have shot him. I don't have a gun. They don't give security guards guns? when they guard the library. Hey, Lou, what's the time 20? Over. Damn it. Uh, in the stacks? Thought I heard something headed back your way. Over. Over. You owe me big time. Yes, uh, absolutely, and thank you so much. Text me when you're done. I'll escort you out. Enjoy your books. Will do, and, uh, keep an eye out for any maniacs with machetes. <laughs> Now, where to begin? This is Isaac Andrews of Miskatonic University, September 4th, 2022. 20 hundred hours. 
I need to start by thanking whoever gave me the anonymous tip about this space, as this room is uh, quite the treasure trope. If you are to be believed, then this space has some connection to my suspected great-grandfather, Henry Artemich. I'm hoping this place can shed light on his relationship to myself, my grandfather, and my mother. It took me a moment to find a place to start, but I did find one book that stuck out to me. It is titled To Dream. It is bound in green leather, dated 1852. No author, but does have a note sticking out of it. Start here. Well, Mr. Fan, clearly you have been here before me and are trying to send me some sort of message. And considering that I am not dead yet, I think I'll bite. So, let's get this started. Ethel went down to her basement again that morning. The same smell of musk and earth betrayed the hollow woods outside of her cabin. She brought down a concoction with her, something that could help with the fever. Along her walked Samuel, a quiet creature with fur black as night, and with one eye that shone like the moon in a star-filled sky. Ethel always thought he was a peculiar cat, but his company had always been more than welcome. Once she reached the bottom of the steps, she walked up to an old wooden cradle padded with hay, her daughter's place of rest. It wasn't rocking this time around. It never was, though. Linny was always just too sick. The poor child. Ethel uncapped the vial of potion for her daughter, instantly releasing the sweet aroma into the room. This was sure to make the child stir. She cradled the babe's head, feeling her soft black hair touch her skin, and tilted her up to pour the pungent liquid down her throat, but only dribbled down her jaw. She must be sleeping. She placed her ear to her chest and howled. Denial quickly gave into bargaining. For Ethel was not helpless, no. She was a servant of the old gods of this world, and they had always repaid her in kind. Even Linny was a gift from the crawling chaos, a child of dark who had given her light. And she knew that those she served would have no interest in letting Linny die. So she summoned him, the one of many faces, the emissary of the true gods. He told her, A life for a life. Only then can the child return, O daughter of mine. She thought to herself as his words echoed. And then she grinned. Life was all around her in these woods. All that she had to do was find one to trade. She went outside and took the first creature that she could find. A rabbit that was unfortunate enough to have taken residence in her garden. She lured the animal with some sweets that she had saved up for her Linny. Once the poor soul was inside, she said her prayer and wrung its neck. 
The voice of the emissary rang in her mind. The soul must be full. The life must be precious. You are too kind, O daughter of mine. She felt something click in her jaw. A tannic taste of iron and a warm slush coated her tongue. And something, no things, were rolling around with it. She opened her mouth and teeth fell from her gape. They clattered to the ground like hard candies and rolled along the floor. Of course, she thought to herself, a mere rabbit would not suffice for the needs of the Sultan King. She pondered over her next choice. She needed a soul that would be both full and precious. Full. Old. Precious. Meaningful. She could only think of one old, meaningful soul. Her cat, Samuel. She eyed the proud beast. He stared back at her, remaining silent. She picked him up by the scruff of the neck and placed him on the table. She donned her cleaver, but he just stared back with his one yellow eye. The moon shined bright that night. She lifted her arm, blade held high, and tears fell from her face. She could feel his sense of betrayal and hatred as she swung and cut deep through bone and flesh. Silence rang through her home like a calamity. And once again, a voice cut through the noise. The soul must be equal. The life must be worthy. And Ethel felt pain. An agony like needles and fire crawled up her arms... She looked down, half expecting Samuel to have come back from the dead and bitten her, but no. Her hand that still gripped the knife, still planted in the beast, had begun to wither a black, sickening atrophy. Do not insult me again, O daughter of mine. As she recoiled from the blade, her arm did not go with her, as her fingers had withered to brittle twigs and kindling. So instead, there was a tear, a snap and a wail. She was alone now. Everyone had been taken from her. Her daughter and her dearest friend. But she was still determined and understood what she had to do. A soul that was full and equal. A life that was precious and worthy. She needed a human child. In a final effort, she carved a sigil with her lousy left hand and said a final prayer. She evoked the illusion, and her home quaked and waned as it became something no babe could resist. A house made of sweets. It only took a day before she would hear a knock at the door. Before her stood a girl of eight and a boy of only four. The girl spoke first. Hello, ma'am. My brother and I saw your cabin... We wanted to know if we could come in? Of course, oh child of mine, Ethel replied. Is your house really made of sweets? The boy inquired. He had deep black hair like her own, like Linny's, if she had the years this boy had been granted. He would do perfectly. Oh, it's sweets indeed. I bake them myself, but I am old and maimed with only one arm 
and I feel if I cannot continue, my home will crumble. Perhaps you will assist me with baking the next batch? Oh, children of mine. She led them into the basement, like lambs to the slaughter. What would you like us to do? Asked the girl. Would you dares clean the oven? Oh, vessels of mine. She watched as they climbed in. The boy's black hair glistened in the dim torchlight. She thought of Linny. Was this how she would regain her life's light? No. Children, she croaked. Um, why don't you knead the dough instead? For the metal is sharp and you might cut yourself on its teeth. They looked her over with curious eyes. The girl stepped out and then said, We will need a clean oven, miss. While we need dough, why don't you climb in, if you truly do know this beast and its teeth? Ethel swallowed. Both of the children were staring at her now, but she thought it was no normal stare. She thought it was filled with hate. And Ethel suddenly felt very afraid. Then the boy smiled and crawled out. There you go, ma'am, he said as he made way for her. Had she imagined it? Maybe. She knew that she needed to undo this, make them sweets, and then wish them well, then decide what to do with herself later. She nodded and crawled in. From behind her, she heard their voices in a sick unison. You are not worthy of the child of dark, whose blood will end all things. You have disappointed us for the last time, O oh, failure of mine. The door slammed behind her, and heat rose like the blast of a star. Her hair scorched off her scalp. Flesh began to melt off of her bones, and her nails boiled. She turned around to see the two children, but they were wrong. They were an amalgamation of each other. Eyes and bones shifted in place. Mouths and limbs slid around each other rapidly until they were a new shape. The shape of a man shrouded in black. She watched as he walked over to the cradle and reached in. And then her eyes burst in her skull. She screamed for Lenny, but it was cut short as her vocal cords snapped from the heat. But her eardrums, they stayed till the end. And all she could hear as she died was the roar of the fire and a voice crying, Mama. Hmm. Interesting. I was hoping for something with a little bit more of a hard lead... Unless I'm missing something about this book or this room, I think my fan put me on a wild goose chase. Funny. But let's try to understand you, fan. You hear that I'm looking for my great-grandfather, so you send me a tip and a key. Then I get in here and you point me to this story... 
definitely have some connection to the university, specifically the library. So the question is, why? If you wanted to kill me, you easily could have done so already. So it's not that. Perhaps this is harassment, then. Some well-deserved payback for what my mother did. Or maybe you're trying to help me? But no, no, no. If that's the case, what about this space? This story is so important that you would send me- I still want to see the place. Isaac! Buddy! You're still here. Felix? It's the middle of the night. Why are you at the damn library? Middle of the night? It's morning. Right. And my shift in the archives is about to start in a good... uh, Ten minutes? And I just wanted to see how my favorite bookworm was doing. Which is disconcertingly not good. Uh, No, no, no. no. There's no way it's been that long. I have read precisely one creepy fairy tale, and you're both telling me it's been, what, ten hours? Well, then you read slow. Now, come on, no one is supposed to be in the restoration zone. If you're here, I'm fired. Okay, fine, I'll go. This place is pretty sweet, though. Yeah. Um, Felix, do you know what this place is? No, but I can find out. I am, after all, a killer librarian. (laughs) Oh, shut up. (laughs) That would be great, Felix. Isaac Andrews. Signing off. You forgot 800 hours. In order of appearance, this broadcast features Benjamin Collins as Isaac Andrews, Alexander Fomley as Luisa Lopez, and Kenny Nguyen as Felix Lopez. This broadcast is under a Creative Commons 4.0 attribution non-commercial share alike license and is produced and distributed by Scope Productions. You can follow us on Instagram at Armitage Account or our website armitageaccount.com where you can join the Discord server and learn more about our Patreon. Make sure the word is heard. Tell your friends and loved ones about this broadcast. Ensure their safety. Don't have any friends or loved ones? Or just want to spread the word? Then leave a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast provider.